Hello, Facebook friends. On a chilly Tuesday afternoon from North uh, Texas, Northeast Texas, uh, Tyler Smith County, Texas. Glad to have you joining me for this Facebook study through the book of Colossians. We do this every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon live on my Facebook page uh, at 3 p.m. And then it uh, shows up after that in a post and it shows up on our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook live page as well, or Facebook page and also on our uh, website at westerwin.com. And Irwin is spelled E-R-W-I-N. That's the street we've been on um, since, uh, what, 1885. Uh, and so there's been a, a, a little bit of a history here in the downtown Tyler area. And uh, glad to be here, glad to be able to minister to the folks, the great neighbors that we have and other folks throughout Tyler and Smith County. Um, it is a blessing to be with you. Now, with all of our online blessings, we get to uh, minister uh, to a lot of others as well who are close by or far away. Uh, my dear friends, Cindy and Eric Mosley joining us. My cousin, Gail Addison. Nice to see you, Anita Gail. Glad that you're here. Did you catch that? And a uh, wonderful blessing. My dear friends, Lenny and Joe Allard. Lenny, I hope your birthday was marvelous because you are marvelous. Uh, we love you so very much. Uh, over the past weeks, uh, it's been really fun for me to see the names pop up, and sometimes I get to uh, to share a little bit about them uh, as we go and say a quick hello, but other times, as you know me, if you know me, and most of you do, I think, I kind of get focused and get to rolling on a lesson, and then I kind of just put the blinders on, and I've told the people at church before, you know, you could all leave in the middle of my sermon, and I may not notice. Now, I don't think I'm quite that bad, so don't try it, West Irwin people. But at the same time, I do think that I get pretty focused as I'm going through here. But it's wonderful to get to see some friends from all of the walks of life. I think that's one of my biggest blessings that I appreciate so much about social media and especially uh, Facebook because it allows us to remain connected in a really pretty simple way uh, with people from every part of our lives. I mean, we have people that knew us when we were kids. We have people from our growing up days in San Antonio, our early ministry days there. Uh, some wonderful friends uh, that uh, that show up and watch us and, and connect with us uh, from our Oklahoma Christian uh, College days. Uh, I've seen some great friends that are that are there. My dear friends, Todd and Lisa, uh, Schiltz up in the north in the winterland where it's really cold in uh, in Wisconsin and um, uh, a dear friend Susie Patterson Jackson uh, said hello a, a week or two ago and that was a great uh, great uh, blessing I didn't get to give her a shout out then so a shout out now uh, she and Mark and so many other great dear friend wonderful friends from our Oklahoma Christian College days it's it just amazing to see those names and um, uh, some we were close to, some we've just been able to be close to through the years, and that's such a great blessing. Um, others that uh, have known us in our ministry days in San Antonio and at Woodland West in Arlington, uh, at um, our wonderful South Fork Church of Christ family from, from North Carolina, and of course now here in Tyler with West Irwin. So lots of, lots of great blessings, I think. It's a tool, Facebook, social media is a tool that can be abused. And Lord knows over the last couple of years, especially we have, we have certainly gotten tired of the abuse that has taken on uh, social media uh, when people use it for um, not, not very good purposes. And it becomes a, a tool of Satan rather than of Jesus Christ. And that's, uh, that's not good. It doesn't have to be that way. But for some, unfortunately, that's what it's digressed to. 
Um, but uh, it, it's a great thing today, and uh, I'm, I appreciate it so much, and I'm glad, always glad to see my friends uh, from different areas of our lives uh, show up, and it's great to keep in touch this way. Uh, and so this week, we're looking at a passage of Scripture. It's a great uh, a passage of Scripture uh, from Colossians chapter 2. It's one that I don't think many of us know is actually there. Uh, and when we read this, you're going to say, wow, that man, I wish I had known that when I was talking to such and such or when I was studying about this or that and and I was getting frustrated. It's a it's it's a great passage. And I, I think it really speaks a lot uh, to where we are uh, today. So I'm looking forward to going through this passage today and Thursday, uh, because I think that uh, we'll do some introductory stuff today and maybe look a little bit at the at the passage. But I really want us to to take some time in doing that on Thursday as well. So I'm gonna begin the lesson today with a question that pretty much has an obvious answer. Uh, have you seen any books on angels lately? Uh, seen any TV shows about angels? Uh, maybe movies? Do you have anything in your house? We call them knickknacks uh, or something that uh, is connected with angels. Well, they're, they're kind of everywhere. Like the title of this lesson suggests, angels we have seen pretty much everywhere. We just see a lot of them uh, everywhere. And, uh, and I, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I don't think it has to be a good thing either uh, because it does come with uh, some challenges. And that's what we're going to talk about in our classes this week, today, and on Thursday. To tell you how prevalent angels are in our culture here in 21st century United States. A few years ago, I did a search on Amazon.com uh, for angels. You know, you just go in there and search the, the word angels and see what comes up. And by department, this is by department, here are a few of the results. Uh, collectible figurines, 12,717 possibilities. Uh, books, 131,221 available books that have something to do with angels. The Everything Else Store <laughs> is over 10,000. Uh, home Decor, of course, a big one, 66,553. Artwork, um, 52,380. So even if you're just doing a, a quickie search on Amazon or some other online shopping place, Target.com or whatever, you're going to get a lot of hits and have a lot of options and choices uh, to look up something that has to do uh, with angels. Uh, and, you know, when you think about movie angels, then we've seen some. We've seen some from long ago, some from more recent. Uh, we enjoyed watching the Touched by an Angel series uh, that was on a while back with Roma Downey and Delores, I think, and some others. That was a great, uh, a great series. Uh, John Travolta was an angel in the movie Michael. He was Michael, a very uh, nonconformist angel, not what you would typically expect. I'm not uh, saying you should watch that movie, and I'm not saying that, that John Travolta's character was typical of angels. But I am saying that, you know, that again, that's prevalent in our society. And of course, one of the most well-known movie angels was seen uh, every Christmas around these parts. Uh, from the movie with Jimmy Stewart, It's a Wonderful Life, and of course, Clarence, who gets his wings uh, by uh, being there to help uh, George Bailey through very difficult and, and creative time. Um, and, uh, and so again, what, what's behind all of this? 
you know, why why is that? Why why is it that we see angels and hear about angels everywhere in our culture? Not just thinking about the the actual supernatural angelic beings that I believe are messengers and servants of God, uh, but rather just in culture, you know, that has really very little to do with religion. And I don't know if you've thought about that before, but that's where we're going to go uh, here in just a moment. Uh, the money goes where the interest is, and there's obviously a great interest in angels within the general population. And again, why is that? Why is that? And I, you know, I, I think that we've seen in our culture and our society for several years now, uh, probably more than two decades, um, a real increase in spirituality. Um, people want to be spiritual. It, spiritual. Being spiritual has become cool or chic or whatever you call that. Um, but that may be as far as the interest goes. Just because something is popular and somebody wants to be a part of it, it doesn't mean that they're buying into the biblical view of angels and angelic beings. I do believe in angels. I do believe in demons. I do believe that there are some really good books out that talk about those things from a biblical perspective. Um, and, I, and I think that angels are, are a great blessing. I think I believe strongly in them and I believe that God still has angels available to him uh, to do his bidding at a moment's notice. We think of those angelic beings surrounding the throne in Isaiah's vision in Isaiah 6. Uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night here at West Irwin Church of Christ in Tyler, I'm gonna begin a new study on the book of Isaiah and just look at some great passages from uh, the, the great prophet Isaiah. And that passage in Isaiah 6 will be one of the first ones we look at because that's where he gets his call. But in that call, we see angels surrounding the throne ready at a moment's notice to do whatever the almighty God on the throne calls them uh, and sends them to do. Angels are messengers. They are angelic uh, beings uh, and are sent by God. Uh, to do whatever task he calls them to do. I, I believe that's true. Um, and I believe that there's demons as well. I don't I don't see either one under every rock and behind everything that happens. Uh, some might. I don't. I do think that they're real, and I think that we need to be willing to acknowledge that and continue to trust in our God uh, who is guiding us through uh, each and every day. Um, but I do think that angels especially have, uh, have, have been very much a part of our general cultural um, uh, life here in this country. And I do think that it goes back to uh, that desire, that interest in, in spirituality. Um, but not as many people are interested in uh, rational arguments for the existence of God or doctrinal teachings of the church or are willing to spend time reading and studying and uh, seeking to understand and the word of God, much less be obedient to it. Uh, in spite of how many <laughs> pictures of angels or uh, ceramic angels they have in their homes, um, little framed artwork related to angels, um, and in spite of that, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to answer the call of God uh, to become closer to him by reading and studying and uh, wrestling with his word 
and then turning our lives around based on his word rather than just seeking to have his word and his will match whatever we like in our hearts. I do believe that that's where a lot of our culture is today and is not at that point where they're willing to, to consider the things that God uh, has called us uh, to be and to do. Uh, no matter how many uh, ceramic angels they have in their home or, or nice little beautiful framed artwork uh, that has to do with angels on their walls. Um, but they have rediscovered spirituality and to some extent faith. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's something we can build on. Uh, let's think about today's spirituality, though. Uh, for example, the interest in angels. What is it that makes angels so attractive and popular today? Well, I have a theory, and the theory is this. Angels today offer a pain-free, low-cost spirituality. They want to be spiritual, but they don't want to do the hard things. You know, Jesus said in Luke 9, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross every day, and follow me. Well, that's not a very popular call. And many in our society, they may want to be spiritual. They may want to uh, have uh, wonderful little uh, reminders of angels around their workplace or their home. Uh, but but there's, they don't want to pay any cost. They don't want it to cost anything. They certainly don't want it uh, uh, to, to be painful. They certainly don't want to have to give things up for that. And I'm I don't I think our understanding and our cultural trend towards angels and angelic beings gives them permission to follow those angels and have those angels and be encouraged even inspired by those angels without it costing them a thing, without it having to change anything that they want to do or uh, believe. Uh, because unless you put in God's word along with it and all of God's word, then what you're going to focus on are just those those wonderful affirming uh, things that angels might bring. And I like warm, fuzzy feelings, <laughs> but Jesus, all of his words were not necessarily ones that bring you a warm, fuzzy feeling. A lot of the times they hit you right between the eyes and challenged you to change your life challenged you to do exactly what Luke 9 says, to deny yourself, uh, not fulfill yourself, not uh, uh, give yourself everything you want, but rather to deny yourself, to take up your cross. And that's a very painful metaphor. Uh, the cross was a, uh, it was, it was a, a tool for used by the Roman government for capital punishment. And that's how they used it on Jesus and those two thieves he was crucified with. And then Jesus tells us to deny ourselves and take up our cross if we're going to follow him. Uh, and that's different than, than the, the great interest that we see from many uh, on angels and other pain-free, low-cost spirituality and spiritual things. Uh, angels don't require anything of you. They don't threaten you. They just take care of you. That's the message. And that's the understanding uh, for many in today's world. Um, Milton Jones has written, one thing that makes angels so attractive today is that they are non-denominational, transcending creed, religion, and religious content. 
Angels give us what we want without demanding much religious commitment or sacrifice in return. And so most every Christian religion or other religion believes in angels in some sort of fashion, but does it direct them to God's word? Does it call on them to uh, deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow Jesus? Does it tell them as Jesus claims, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, who addresses me as Lord, uh, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven. Uh, Jesus at times was very forceful in calling people to be obedient to the word and will of God. And I, I think one of the things, as uh, Milton Jones says, that makes angels so attractive is they don't necessarily do that. <laughs> They're just there. They give you encouragement. They give you a warm feeling, a sense of security and acceptance and affirmation, which I think is great if you are seeking to do the will of God. Because what Jesus did with people who weren't seeking to do the will of God is he confronted them. And he challenged them. He did that in appropriate ways, whether it meant calling out the religious leaders or affirming the woman caught in the very act of adultery, as John 8 says, and yet challenging her. We forget that that passage ends with uh, the, the confrontation that Jesus had with this woman over how she was living her life when he told her, go your way and sin no more. Go your way and leave your life of sin. He didn't just tell her, hey, I don't really care how you live. He actually told her exactly the opposite. Well, for many of us, I think if we have this great interest in angels and uh, the warm feeling we get from them, uh, they don't do that. They don't call us to live a certain way. Uh, and of course, this fits really well with our pluralistic self-serving culture, that any belief is fine. Any way you want to live your life is fine. Follow your heart. Uh, just do what makes you happy. Um, all of those things are mantras of our society, and none of them can be found anywhere in Scripture. There's, there's nothing to indicate any of those in the Bible. Rather, it's the way of the cross. It's, it's Jesus in Philippians 2. Uh, leaving the very throne room of the Father, not thinking equality with God was something to be grasped and held onto, but emptied himself and took upon human form and took upon the form of a servant in humanity and not only submitted himself to death, even death on a cross, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says. But the verses that precede that, verses 1 through 4, actually call us to live that way. <laughs> Philippians 2, 1 through 4 is the admonition and that wonderful hymn, that story of Jesus found in verses 5 through 11 of Philippians 2 is the illustration. Paul says, let me, let me demonstrate to you what I mean and how you should live. And then he tells that story in those verses. And, and what he's saying is, I want you to live this way uh, because that's how Jesus lived. And now that's how he has called us to live as well. Well, that's not a popular message today. And I think that's one of the reasons why angels and angelic art is so popular, because you can pretty much have a beautiful framed uh, picture print of an angel on your wall. It may even say some nice, affirming, warm scripture. And then that's where it stops. Ultimately, sincere people seeking to be genuinely spiritual and faithful 
are not afraid of commitment and cost, of boundaries and sacrifice. And scripture is filled with the call for those things. Uh, they welcome them, provided they are authoritatively based and are lived out by their adherents. I think people are okay with hearing uh, our understanding of what scripture teaches uh, and and even calling them to live, join us and, and be obedient with us, provided they see that that is something genuine in our lives and that it's something that can be based in scripture. It's not just something we came up with on our own. Um, is there an opportunity here with all this interest in the supernatural and the spiritual and angels? Absolutely, there's an opportunity here. You bet. Uh, people are hungry and are searching for real, authentic spirituality. And they're not going to get it from these surface level uh, displays of really self-centered uh, worship. They are looking for a community of people that seek the word of God and seek his will and seek to do his will. So much so that they're living it out in their relationships and all the aspects of their daily lives. Enter Jesus. This is where he comes in. Uh, this is where the Bible comes in with God's word. This is where the church comes in with a family of Christians who are disciples of Jesus Christ and who aren't doing things perfectly, but who are seeking to do them faithfully and are seeking to help other people to see and know uh, this Lord Jesus Christ who gave everything for them so that they can follow along beside us and, and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness along with us. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, almost 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul writes the book of Colossians uh, in large part to deal with this very subject, a popular spirituality that is more of a current cultural phenomenon than a movement toward the spirit of God. This isn't new. <laughs> it's not new at all. Uh, almost 2,000 years ago, it was prevalent in the Roman Empire of the first century. And it was prevalent in that province of Asia, what we would call the western part of, of modern day Turkey. And great cities like Ephesus and uh, Colossae uh, were filled with it. Uh, great cities in uh, Europe, such as uh, Athens and Corinth in modern day Greece were, were filled with it. Uh, we see it everywhere in scripture. And so I want us to read this great passage in Colossians 2, beginning at verse 16. And remember how we got here. Remember in chapter 1 of Colossians, he talks a lot about how uh, Jesus is the preeminent one. He has the supremacy. He is the creator and the sustainer of life. And he is the savior. He gave himself so that we could be saved and be forgiven of all of our sins. Colossians chapters 1 and 2 deal a lot with that. And then in chapter uh, 2, uh, he says in, um, in verse 6, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And, and that's not the only option. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be rooted and strengthened and faithful uh, to the call of God. Uh, you can choose other options, and there are those, and there were those in the first century as well. And that's what he says in Colossians 2 verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive 
through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. We still have that kind of hollow and deceptive philosophy all around us, that fake spirituality that has no root, uh, no foundation, nothing that calls for a lifetime of service to God and to others. Um, and, and Paul tells us, uh, don't let people take you captive to that. That's not enough. And then in the verses that follow, he says, only Jesus Christ is enough. All the fullness of deity lives only in Jesus, only in Jesus. And then he calls us back to our baptism. Uh, he tells us, you know, you have been made alive with Christ in verse 13. When you were dead in your sins, God brought salvation. How did he do that? Well, in verse 11, in him you were circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. That's where we are. And that leads us to this great passage in Colossians 2, beginning uh, in verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Verse 20, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Verse 21, these rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. And then note verse 23, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. They just don't work. They just don't help. That's what Paul is saying. This, this worship of angels, this hollow and deceptive philosophy, uh, this uh, concern for uh, external teachings without being grounded in the word of God, and in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, what Paul does is he calls us out of that more peripheral religion, and he calls us into a religion that's selfless, into a, a religion that's willing to sacrifice, uh, to deny self, so that we can be pleasing to God and we can accomplish more of his will. And so that's why this passage begins with therefore, because <laughs> it looks back on those first two chapters in Colossians. I heard it said one time, whenever you read the word therefore in scripture, ask yourself, what is it there for? <laughs> what is that that this leans on? In Romans 12, it leans on the first 11 chapters when he says, therefore offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Here in this passage in, Rome, in Colossians 2 verse 16, 
the therefore leads on everything that he said already about the, the preeminence and supremacy of Jesus Christ, about the response of faith that we had when we were baptized and were buried with Christ and then were raised to live a new life. Uh, how the teaching of Jesus Christ and the word of God is far better than those hollow and deceptive philosophies that Satan and the world dangle in front of us to give us what we want and to make us feel good about ourselves while refusing to call us uh, to sacrifice and to the commitment of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. With this passage and others like it, um, there's a special application uh, to the first century, to that those Jews who had come out of the Jewish law and into um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so now their Jewish counterparts, even some Jewish Christians, were calling on them to continue uh, to follow all of the regulations that were in the law. Even Gentiles uh, were called upon uh, to live according to their Gentile traditions as well and the visions of gods and angels that they had seen. And so through this, Paul is attacking both and condemning both. And I think specifically he has application uh, to the Jewish law and the Jewish traditions. And we see that in other places as well in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9 and 10, um, in Romans chapter 14 and 15. And we may look at a couple of those passages on Thursday as we talk more about this. Um, in today's world, spirituality is in, but knowledge and religion are out. And that's why angels are so popular today. They offer truly a pain-free, commitment-free spirituality. You just get caught up in the spiritual moments and it doesn't ask anything of you in return. Well, that's a great idea and a very popular concept. There's just nothing biblical about it. Jesus calls us to follow him. And what he did was he gave up everything and came and lived and died on the cross and now calls on us uh, to give up that cheap spirituality that Satan will call us to, give up that worship of angels, uh, give up those things that people who take great pride in their visions and the things they have seen. These are the verses that we'll look at on Thursday. Uh, and instead of that, what Paul calls us to do, what Jesus calls us to do is to be rooted and strengthened in the word of God and to turn to Jesus with everything about us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, not any of the kingdom and righteousness of the world and how it would call us to do. In today's world, spirituality is in, but knowledge and religion are out. But in scripture, that's not the case. In scripture, that spirituality comes through the knowledge of God's word and being obedient to that word. Faith comes by hearing the message of Christ, Paul says in Romans 10, 17. And so on Thursday, we'll look closer at this great passage and we'll talk more about those who take pride in their spirituality without any depth, any connection with the word of God. And we'll take great comfort in knowing that there's something more out there. People today are looking for something more than what they see on the surface level of so many. 
and what they are looking for. That something more is found in Scripture. It is found in Jesus Christ. Look forward to seeing you on Thursday. God bless.